0: Chapter 21 of Frigid Fracas by Mac Reynolds this LibriVox recording is in the public domain Recording by Dale Grothman His wounds were clean straight slashes not overly deep and which should heal readily enough In his time Joe Mauser had copped many more serious ones however after bandaging Nadine relegated him to the small embassy hospital Westworld diplomats would not even trust the Sove world medical care preferring to import their own category medicine personnel He was so max informed him the lion of the Westworld colony in Budapest and the new world, too for that matter It was quite a scandal that a diplomatic Representative had been challenged to a duel by a known killer of Rokoski's reputation informal protests were lodged Joe cynically could imagine just how effective they would be particularly at this late date a lion he might be but nadine was not allowing him visitors this first day of his recuperation max to attend him but no others at least so it was throughout the morning and early afternoon then so obvious was it that his hurts were not of paramount importance she relented to the extent of allowing general armstrong to enter The general scowled down at him, as though to read just how badly Joe was feeling. He grumbled finally. Dash it. You look nothing so much as an overgrown hamburger steak there for a while, Mauser. Joe grinned wryly. That's how I felt, he said. I've never seen anyone move so fast. Armstrong said curiously, If you wanted to use throwing knives, why didn't you challenge him to a duel with throwing knives? Joe shifted his shoulders I figured my only chance with him was to use a weapon with which he wasn't familiar The Bowie knife was it it didn't occur to him that a knife built in that shape and as big as that Was a precisely constructed throwing knife as well as one to use hand-to-hand Joe twisted his mouth Besides if the Sovs think all the Machiavellians are on their side. They're wrong Poor Captain Rakowski got sucked in I had a throwing knife, and he didn't Armstrong looked at him blankly Joe explained the knife designed by Jim Bowie was made by a smith named James black of Washington, Arkansas Bowie made himself so notorious with it that the blade became world-famous and black made quite a few exact copies various other outfits tried to duplicate his work but actually none succeeded in producing the perfect balance in such a large knife that made it practical for throwing it turns over once in thirty feet exactly all i had to do was get rakowski fifteen feet away from me and he'd had it and his own knife when he tried to reciprocate was off balance armstrong said zen by the way how is he joe said armstrong said soberly he's dead mauser dead with all those doctors standing around the general's face assumed its habitual worried expression i rather doubt that he died of your knife the highest echelons of the party do not approve of failures you were correct when you said you would have lost prestige had you fled rakokski's challenge or even insisted on your diplomatic immunity rights as it is The prestige has been lost on the other side By the way it occurs to me that no further effort will be made to eliminate you physically. It would be too blatant Joe said one of the things I wanted to talk to you about general while we were in there together Rakowski was sounding off in an effort to crack my nerve Called me a lot of names and that sort of thing, but he also said I'll try to repeat this exactly No longer do you worry about locating the sove world underground and helping overthrow the party eh? Armstrong slumped down into the bedside chair Dash it that makes it definite. They're fully aware of your mission though. They haven't got it exactly right Your purpose wasn't to aid the local underground, but merely to size it up to get the overall picture He snorted his disgust I'll have to get in touch with our organization in Greater Washington. One thing's certain we're not going to be able to let you go into the field in your status as military attache and observer. Joe had been scheduled to observe some of the combat taking place in Chinese Turkestan with nomad rebels. He had looked forward to the experience in view of his own background wondering in what manners the sole forces of the Pink Army differed from the mercenary armies of the Westworld. He said now, Why not? Armstrong snorted, You'd never come out alive. There'd be an accident, and the nomads would be given the dubious credit for having killed you. He came to his feet again. I've got to think about this. I'll drop by later, Mauser." Joe thought about it, too, after the other had left. Obviously, the restrictions on his movements were a growing handicap on his abilities to serve the organization headed by Holland Hodgson. He wondered if he was becoming useless. Max stuck his head in the door and said, Major, sir, one of these Hungarians wants to see you. Who? Joe growled. And why? It's a. Uh... It's that lieutenant-colonel Kossuth one, sir. I told him Dr. Hare said you couldn't be bothered, but he don't want to seem to take no for an answer. Kossuth, Joe knew, was assigned to the Westworld Embassy military attache department on a full-time basis. It occurred to him that the Hungarian would be privy to the inner workings of the party, as they applied to Joseph Mauser and his associates. Show him in, he told Max. But the doc show him in Max Lieutenant Colonel Bella Kossett was solicitous. He clicked his heels bowed from the waist inquired of Joe's well-being Joe wasn't feeling up to military amenities after his frame-up near demise of the day before He growled I think you'd be wishing I occupied Captain Rokoski's place rather than offering me sympathy the Hungarians eyebrow went up and uninvited he took the chair next to the bed but why you were the man's second kossuth said expansively when asked to act i could hardly refuse a brother officer besides my superiors suggested that i take the part as you probably have ascertained major there is considerable doubt the desirability of you remaining in budapest joe was astonished You mean to sit there and deliberately admit the duel was a planned attempt to eliminate me? The colonel looked about the room. Why not, Major? There is no one here to witness our conversation. And you admit that your precious party, the ruling organ of this proletariat paradise of yours, actually orders what amounts to assassination? Kossuth examined his fingernails with studied nonchalance. Why not admit it? The party will do literally anything to maintain itself in its position, Major. Certainly the death of a junior officer of the Westworld means nothing to them. But aren't you a party member yourself? Of course. One must be if one is to operate as freely as circumstance allows in this best of all possible worlds, this paradise of ours. Joe sank back on his pillow. He couldn't get used to the idea of this man whom he had always thought as an arch-stereotype world officer, speaking in this manner. Kossuth crossed his legs comfortably. See here, Major, you are all but naive in your understanding of our society. Let me, uh, brief you on the history of this part of the world, and the organization which governs it. Have you studied Marx and Engels? No, Joe said. I've read a few short extracts and a few criticisms or criticisms of criticisms of short extracts that sort of thing Kossuth nodded seriously that's all practically anybody does anymore, even in the sov world where we give lip service to them the point i was about to make is that the supposed founders of our society had nothing even remotely approaching this in mind when they did their research it evidently never occurred to either that the first attempts to achieve the The Hungarians' voice went dry. Glorious revolution would take place in such ultra-backward countries as Russia and China. The revolution of which they wrote presupposed a highly industrialized technical economy. Neither Russia nor later China had this. The um, excesses that occurred in both countries in the mid-20th century were the result of efforts to rectify this. The party, in power as a result of the confusion following, in one case, the First World War, and in the second case, the Second World War, tried to lift the nations into the industrial world by the bootstraps. The colonel cleared his throat. Let us say that some elements resisted the sacrifices the party demanded. The peasants, for instance. Joe said, dryly himself, if I am correctly informed on the Sov world history, you do not exaggerate. Exactly. Let us admit it. Stalin, in particular, but others too, both before and following him, were ruthless in their determination to achieve industrialization and raise the Sov world to the level of the most advanced countries. Joe said, "This isn't exactly news to me, Colonel." Of course not bear with me i was but making background to accomplish these things the party had to and did became a strong ruthless even merciless organization with all power safely from its viewpoint of course in its hands and in spite of all the handicaps and setbacks eventually succeeded in the task it had set itself that is the achieving of an industrialized nation the hungarian pursed his lips but then comes the rub have you ever heard major mauser of a ruling class caste clique call it what you will which stepped down from power freely and willingly handing over the reins of government to some other element joe vaguely remembered hearing similar words from some other source in the not too distant past But by now he was fully taken up by the astonishing Sov officer he shook his head encouraging the other to continue Kossuth nodded They tell me that in ancient Greece and Rome Tyrants or dictators would assume full powers for a period long enough to meet some emergency and would then relinquish such power I do not know I would think it doubtful but whether or not such was done in ancient greece it has been a rare practice indeed since a ruling caste like a socio-economic system itself when taken as a whole instinctively perpetuates its life as though a living organism it cannot understand will not admit that it is ever time to die the hungarian waggled a finger at joe at first when there was insufficient even of the basics such as food, clothing, and shelter, the party members soon learned to take care of their own, explaining this deviation from the original party austerity by various means. Nepotism raised its head, as always, almost from the very beginning. Party members wished their children to become party members, and saw to it that they secured the best education and the best jobs. And How do you Americans put it? The practice of you scratch my back and I'll scratch yours became the rule. Soon we had a self-perpetuating hierarchy, jealous of its position and jealous of the attempts of outsiders to break into the sanctified organization. Marx and Engels wrote that following the revolution, the state would wither away. The colonel laughed acidly. Instead, in the Sov world, it continually strengthened itself. A new class, as the Yugoslav Milovan Gilas called it, had been born. The Hungarian seemed to switch subjects slightly. And a new development manifested itself. At first, Russia alone was the Sov world, but as she became increasingly powerful, she exported her revolution, taking over in such advanced countries as, let's say, Czechoslovakia and East Germany. Here, supposedly, would have been the conditions under which the original ideas of Marx and his collaborator would have flourished, but the party moved in its heavy bureaucracy and prevented any such development. Bela Kosef laughed gently. "Ah ha!" But this led to one of the ironies of fate, my friend, because as the so world expanded its borders, it assimilated peoples of far more, um, sharpness, shall we say than our somewhat dour Ruskies. In time, bit by bit, inch by inch, intrigue by intrigue. I know, Joe said, the capital of the So world is now not Moscow, but Budapest. Correct, the Hungarian beamed. At the very first we Hungarians tried to fight them. When we found we couldn't prevail, we joined them, to their eventual sorrow. However, the central problem has not been erased. We have finally achieved, here in the Sov world, to the point where we have the abundant life. The affluent society. But we have also reached stagnation. The party, like a living organism, refuses to die. Cannot even admit that its death is desirable. He held his hands out palm upward, as though at an impossible impasse. Joe said suddenly what's all this got to do with me Colonel Kossuth the Hungarian pretended surprise Why nothing at all major Mauser. I was but making conversation small talk Joe didn't get it Well, why come here at all Max said you were rather insistent about seeing me in spite of doctor's orders ah yes of course the sov officer came to his feet again and clicked his heels my superiors have requested that i deliver this into your own hands as well as copies to the westworld ambassador to general armstrong and to dr hare he handed a document to joe joe turned it over in hand blankly it was in hungarian he looked at the other lieutenant colonel Kosis said formally The government of the Sov world has found Major Joseph Mauser, Dr. Nadine Hare, and General George Armstrong, persona non Greta. As soon as your health permits, Major, it is requested that you leave Budapest, and all the lands of the Sov world, never to return. He clicked his heels, bowed again, and started for the door. Just as he reached it, he turned and said one last thing to Joe Mauser. The end of chapter 21 of Frigid Fracas by Mac Reynolds. Recorded by Dale Grothman.